Welcome to the Pathway Podcast. This is the third week of our series, Into the Wilderness. College pastor Jack Cross explores how the wilderness can be a place where faith is cultivated. Stay tuned after the sermon for this week's Next Steps. The series that we're in right now is, is one that for sure has been prayed about, prayed over, um, just kind of where we are as a church, too. Uh, it's interesting times. It's, it's good. It's good. And so as we get ready to dive into this, one of the, I mean, there's all kinds of things we could cover during the wilderness series. There's a lot that happened. There's a lot that we can't look at. Um, but one of the things that I get reminded of is, especially over the last couple of weeks, and Pastor Jeremy's been speaking is just how difficult those time frames were, right? And if we're, I mean, honestly, you just think about what they went through, uh, what it took to accomplish it. Any, anything or any time that I begin to even think about the idea of something for a 40-year time period, uh, we're just, as much as I would like to think that I am centered or focused or whatever, um, I do often forget that, Man, we live in a society that is just, we want it, we want it right now. There's very few things that I pray over for long periods of time. There's very few things that I really want that I'm willing to suffer through for very long uh, to get. And then, you know, just with life in general, sometimes it's, it's tough, right? Anybody like really enjoy or just kind of I know I've, I get an opportunity to work with college students for the most part. Um, and so then, too, getting to see college students become young adults and start taking on some, some young adult-type things. And I, over the last handful of you know, months, I've had an opportunity to talk with several of them about new home ownership, right? We've got several different people who have bought houses or buy their first houses or are buying their first house. And um, I, I, I enjoy having a house, Right? But for anybody who's got one, the projects never stop, right? Just constantly. And if you're married to Karen Cross, they never stop. <laughs> I hate she's not in here. Uh, she'll hear that later, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> no, uh, we, we, we enjoy doing things like that at least once a year. Dom laughs at us because I think one of the first times that we really got to spend some time around Dom, he, he was over at our house and uh, during the summertime and at least... At least once in a summer, there's a project and a, a decently significant project that happens at the Cross household um, that we flip a room, we do something. Uh, so anyway, but even if those projects can be kind of fun, right? Because typically, especially like with Karen, they're creative, they're artistic, they're, they're we're doing something new to improve something. Um, the part that's frustrating is that there's always something that goes wrong. There's always something to fix. There's always something, right? And we live not really in that old of a house. Um, and pff, there's always something. As a matter of fact, I've got a few photos here. I, I was trying to look through some stuff. And anyway, I don't necessarily take a lot of photos on my phone. I don't. Um, but, but anyway, it was remarkable to me as I scrolled through and was looking for some of this kind of stuff. How many photos that I had, and I just picked out a few of, of kind of my favorite, not so favorites. Uh, and so all of these are within, ironically, the last <laughs> six months or so. Uh, so it, it's all like boom, boom, boom. And there was a couple of them that I even looked at and I'm like, man, no wonder I was 
I'll you know, save the correct term, but mad um, <laughs> during that week or two um, because then I realized like some of these things happen back to back. You know, and so we've got things like a dishwasher overflowing, and you know, that's one of those things that happens. If you've got a home, every once in a while, something like that breaks. It messes up, and you've got to fix it. And then, uh, as crazy as it is, you know, well, we have the Thrive House, right, uh, on campus that, we, that we, we all work on, and actually this past winter is when that one was, and pipes froze up. Somebody's got to get underneath there and, un, you know, kind of thaw some of those pipes and fix whatever bursts that were that kind of happened underneath there, and so that was kind of nice and fun to crawl underneath the Thrive House. Landon uh, Feltz, by the way, wanted to climb underneath there yesterday. I should have shown him the picture. But um, to get up underneath there and look and just see a nice waterfall worth of frozen water, right? Uh, and so that's always fun. The next picture is how I keep my car. Not really. Um, <clears throat> my car had gotten broke into uh, and just several little things stolen, and so that was actually a Sunday morning. Came out, opened my car, and thought, hmm, yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but that's one of those things that occasionally, you know what, it happens. Stuff like that happens. The, the, the slice across the neck was me fixing something, cleaning up something, and a uh, branch fell down and got me across the back of the neck really quick. That was actually one of those moments I was by myself, and I thought, Okay, let me, honey, sit down first before I touch and feel because I'm afraid I might be wide open. And it's not as bad as it looks, actually. I was afraid that we were going to have, you know, multiple stitches across the back of the neck the way it felt really quickly. And then you've got, you know, a shower head that's got a crack in it. And then crazy stuff, too, right? Like get in your attic and the roofers had messed up the roof and the vent for the dryer vent is not even put together. All the way up. Been going for months that way. Excellent stuff, right? <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that, yeah, makes you want to throw something, <laughs> throw something in there, kick something in the attic, right? Um, but life sometimes is difficult. It's hard. It's, I don't, and actually, the more that I look at it, the more that I observe other people, have conversations with other people, I don't really know if there's any way around it. There's ebbs and flows, right? There's times when things go good, but, but the price of moving forward in life, the price of, of having nice things, the price of, of whatever is that, that you've got maintenance that has to be done. There's work that has to be done. There's things that, that we all go through that you just, you got to do. And so whether it's, you know, something like the dryer vent, when you climb in the attic and you're like, oh, you know, whether you have to hire that out or whether you have to <laughs> figure out how to get a ladder up in your attic and stand up there and... You know, put that thing back together. At the end of the day, is it your fault? Is it somebody else's fault? Or it, it doesn't really matter. It's got to get fixed. It's, got, it's something that has to happen. And when I think about what's gone on with the children of Israel, as they've wandered around in the wilderness, they've, they came from Egypt. They're out. There's a lot of frustration. Jeremy highlighted some of that last week. Even Moses at the end kind of cracks and, and hits the rock with a, with a stick, ultimately not listening and being obedient to what God had said. Man, that's, that's tough. And they had a tough journey to get to the promised land, right? Here's the deal. I don't know that whether it's tough or not, whether it's hard work or not, is really not the question. Because 
from everybody that I see and everything that we pay attention to, life is, in some regards, life is difficult. Life is going to be hard. The better question may be, how are we going to spend our energy and effort? Or what are we going to work hard towards? The children of Israel, as we kind of begin to dive into this, one of the things I'd look, I want you to look at is in Numbers 13. As we kind of just check that out really quickly, there's a couple verses there that I want you to understand because what we saw last week was that, that they griped and complained even when they had been getting ready to go into the promised land. Jeremy did a great job last week of showing you some maps, showing you the different ways that they wandered around, uh, even talking about the last couple of weeks. And just for those that you kind of catch up a little bit to speed, they were in about year 38. So if they would have been thinking at all, paying attention at all, really, they would know that they're just about there. But that's not the nature of people, right? That's not even the nature of us. There's times when you can know what is right. We can know that it's, we're almost over it. Yet we still, we struggle and we forget. We forget to remember what God has done. We forget to remember what God has promised. And, and they, even in that moment, in that spot right there, out in the wilderness, they've been there a long time. They say, we, it would have been better for us to have died with our brothers. It would have been better for us to, to have been in Egypt. Now, if you just pause and sit and think about that, think about it for just a minute. What was Egypt? They were enslaved. See, sometimes when we get a little distance from things, we forget just how bad it really was. In November, uh, I'm sorry, in, in Numbers, in Numbers uh, chapter 13, we've got it right here. And so it says this. It says that the Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore. And so he had, sent the, he had sent the tribes out. They had gone through. But ultimately, what, what had happened with... In, sorry, I, I looked at the wrong one. We've got Exodus 1, 13 and 14. I knew that didn't make sense at all. Sorry, you guys stay with me. Yeah, I was like, yeah, Lee, that is not what I was looking at. Um, sorry. Israel. The children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt. And so the problem was that they couldn't remember it what it really was, and so it says it this way. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands, Exodus 1, 13 and 14. And so that's one of the things sometimes that we oftentimes forget and that they even had forgotten. As a matter of fact, I thought Jeremy did a good job last week even, even denoting that most of them didn't even realize they weren't alive or weren't old enough to really remember back in Egypt. But, they, but yet, that, that's where they say that they want to go back to. We, we would rather, why didn't we, why wouldn't we just stay there? We had a place. We had stuff. We had, we had a life. Yeah, but, but what kind of life? The people that were in charge of them, their goal was to destroy them and press them down. And if that part right there wasn't enough to enslave them, to give them as hard of work as they can, 
the next piece was just absolutely God-awful. It was the fact that it's like, hey, look, we can't stop them from growing. And so let's kill every male that's born. And then you just, just set and pause, because to me, biblically, that's another one of those pieces that I, I guess I've heard it enough or I've thought about it. And, and sometimes I can just kind of rationalize and just move on. But if you stop and you think about just how terrible of a moment that is, that, that the people in charge would say, every time that there's a male baby born, we're going to kill him. Think about being a mother or a father and what kind of prayers go into, I don't know what we're going to do here. I don't know what happens next. And then to have to take your child and have them killed. And to know that that happened over and over and over and over again. And it's what makes the story of Moses and him even surviving, it's what makes it miraculous and just, just absolutely awesome. Because there's a lot of them who didn't make it. And yet that's what the people said. Why could we not be back there? That's a little bit ridiculous, right? It is. It's a little crazy. And that's exactly the nature of people and the nature of us. And so what happens and what shifts because these people have now spent 40 years in the wilderness and where they're about to head, what, what we kind of get in, the, in Deuteronomy and explaining kind of all the remembrances and, and hey, pay attention because you're about to go into the promised land. And, and they had messed it up because they didn't trust in God first go around. But now here they are and they're going to cross the Jordan and into the promised land. And so what has changed? Because there's some amazing things about to happen, right? They're going to line up. Joshua, God says he's going to be with Joshua, just as he was with Moses. They're going to lead him over water once again. This time, remarkable peace, right? They're going to have to step into the water before the water parts. That's a, that in and of itself, we could spend a long time talking about that. But that's an awesome moment where they have to step into the water, but the water parts, the people walk through on dry ground. They get ready to go and accomplish what was set before them long before. So what's different? What's changed? I don't know. Maybe we can say that God wore them down. It's probably a little bit accurate, at least. But at least their mentality had shifted. They had, their attitude had changed and their attitude shifted to being more about being obedient than being afraid. More about being obedient and show us how to get where you want us to be. Right? I love the, the first part of this series, and Jeremy highlighted that, that. That the spies, when they went in, the problem that they had was they weren't sent to decide if they could get in the promised land. But it was more about how do we go over to the promised land or what is it going to look like to go and take the promised land. Yet their report back was much different. And the attitude was that, hey, 
we can translate that back to us is the same attitude where we say, am I, maybe if I trust in God, rather than how do I trust in God. There's a very, very big shift in mentality. And I believe that the children of Israel during this time frame, they're still, they're still going to make plenty of mistakes. And really the story of Israel it kind of boils back down to this kind of attitude. As you read through the Old Testament, we're going to go back and forth with them on times when, when they trust and they're, they're more concerned with being obedient to God than their fear. And in times when they struggle. And they don't really know how they're going to accomplish whatever it is next. And so they try to figure it out themselves rather than follow God and be obedient to Him. So what's shifted? I think it's their mentality because what changed on the other side of the Jordan? Nothing. Nothing changed on the other side of the Jordan. Relatively for 40 years, what the spies had reported on was still true. It was absolutely still true. And so, so in Numbers 13, verse 28, Numbers, it says this. It says, but the, this is what the spies' report was. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. Descendants of Anak, the Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites in the hill country, and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, right? And I, <laughs> it's kind of the vibe that I get when I, when I read that sometimes. I'm like, oh my gosh, all these terrible things. And as much as I want to make fun of them and laugh at that kind of piece, we're the same way. We do the same thing. So many times we look at, at, ah, look at all of the obstacles, all of the issues, all of the problems. Not from a standpoint of, God, how do we accomplish this or how can we make it through? But from the mentality and the idea that, you know what, I, here's all the reasons why it's not possible. Here's all the things that are just, we're not going to make it. This is, there's, they're powerful, they're fortified cities. We're, we're a group of herdsmen who've been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. We don't really have weapons. We, we don't have what it takes to, to, to kind of go over the walls or to go through the walls. Or we don't even have the provisions to, to camp outside long enough to, to wait them out and starve them out. We, we don't have that ability. So, so there's no way. And, and some of them, they're warrior people. They are people who... They spend their lives getting ready to kill people. That's not us. So, so what are we doing trying to go into their land and tell them? Because, by the way, this is just kind of one of those principles. God promised them this land. That's why it's called what it is, right? God didn't tell the Amalekites. God didn't tell the city of Jericho that, oh, by the way, I'm switching this up here. You guys need to leave, and they're about to show up. No, God gave them a promise. God told him he would be with them. God prepared them for what they needed, but, but there was still battle to be fought. There was still faith that they were going to have to go to war, that they were going to have to put in the energy, they were going to have to put in the effort. So nothing has changed on the other side of the Jordan. What's changed is the perspective and the mentality of the people. To know that, we're going to be obedient 
even when we're not 100% sure how this is going to work. Even when we're a lot unsure of how this is going to work. But we're going to be obedient to God and step forward in it. And so they begin to, to move forward. And we're going to have to assume a lot of what you may or may not know about kind of the story as they, they go in. And as they walk up to, to Jericho even. And think about that for just a minute. Those of you who've heard the story maybe a long time ago and growing up in church and that kind of stuff, but, but that's one that we tell young kids, but there's a reason why we tell them. We tell them because it's such a remarkable story of having faith and obedience in God because how in the world as a leader, a new leader, by the way, that you can walk into this new place where you believe it's your land, but the, the enemy doesn't believe that. They believe that they've lived there a long time and it's theirs. And here's the game plan. Here's the battle plan. We're going to go. We're going to march around Jericho, right? For six days. That's all we're going to do. Just march. <laughs> that's, that's another one of those pieces that the Bible is amazing. And it's just, just crazy to stop and think about it. Because I think sometimes we, we over-spiritualize it. We, we know the end of the story. And so it's quite remarkable. But just the, just the ludicrousness, the, the craziness of that plan. Here we go, brand new, we're just going to walk around. And, and then on day seven, we're all going to turn and we're going to yell. All in unison, we're going to scream together and that's going to do the trick. Like, really? That's the game plan. You can see why some people would definitely question whether or not this is the smartest path forward or whether or not we should have faith in this kind of God. Because, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, at least something, come on. Let's, let's draw up battle tactics. Let's think about, you know, half of you go in this way and maybe a quarter over here and a quarter over there. Something, I, something different than march around the city and then we're all going to yell together. But the purpose of it was that they would trust in God. And their faith had been forged in the wilderness. And so the 40 years that they're spending wandering around, going back and forth, God had taught them some lessons. And I want us to pay attention to a couple of these lessons because I think you see this repeated pattern throughout the Scripture. And the lessons from the wilderness, one of the pieces is that God provides protection. God didn't only provide protection, but also provision. And not just provision, but Preparation. All throughout that time frame, God had provided them protection in moments that sometimes I wonder if, if there's times I don't even know that I've ever thought about it, but the people in Egypt had just lost a major infrastructure piece. They just lost a lot of workforce. Now, at the moment, they were absolutely thrilled to get them out and away from them because of the plagues, if you remember or not. And so they were glad, please get away from us because what we just went through was terrible. But then as soon as they get gone, the Egyptians would love to have them back because you got a problem with a million plus people that were servicing your country that are now gone, right? Anybody have problems lately with supply chain problems? Yes. Egypt had a major supply chain issue. 
And they would have loved to have gotten them back. But then we have something kind of called the Red Sea and that happened and kind of got the Egyptians. But, but let's just say that the, that the uh, children of Israel got what they wanted, right? And they got to stay, right? Just, you know what, let's just cross over the Red Sea, but let's hang out right here. Let's just stay right here. I absolutely believe that the Egyptians would have come and got them. They would have figured out how to, how to get over there, how to loop around or do something, if nothing else, but just absolutely ticked off that you just, because of you guys, all of our firstborn have just died. But instead they travel. But not just because they, they travel around, but, but also as they come close to the Red Sea on the other side, as they come close to the Jordan on the other side, you've got all of the places that they're now going to go in and attack. Every one of them we see, even with Jericho, they had spies. They knew that this huge nation is coming across. They knew that, hey, they're coming this way. They knew that what God's reputation was. And so I'm sure that some of those warrior-type nations would have loved to have said, you know what, we're not letting you get all the way here. Let's go attack them. Had they just been sitting still? But the problem is, they're wandering around in the wilderness. And because they're wandering around, they're somewhat protected. Because you've got these nations over here that are like saying, you know what, as much as I don't want them coming over here, it's not worth us going out into the wilderness. And so God is protecting them all along the way, and he is not only protecting them, but providing for them with manna in the morning and quail in the evening and leading them and guiding them with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. You think about that. For, for 40 years, they're being led around the wilderness. Now, in one sense, we could all look at that and be a little bit nervous, right? Because I can't imagine just as a parent to know that my kids are here and to know that no, we can't collect more food. We're going to trust in God that he's going to be there for us in the morning. And that he's going to be there for us in the evening. And, and that can make us, that can make you extremely nervous. For all of us who have a savings account, for all of you who, who you know, use wise stewardship and are trying to put money back, you know, whether it be for retirement or you're living off a retirement account or, or, or whatever it is, but... but I can't imagine trying to live that way, but guess what they learned from that and the byproduct was that they could trust in God. Because as they move forward, and how easy it is to forget as they walk into the promised land, as they begin to battle with those different people, as they begin to, to actually see success, as they begin to establish homes, as they begin to establish their kingdom in that place, the thing that a lot of Deuteronomy is written about is that don't forget where you came from and don't forget that in your prosperity, it's God who gave you the increase. And ultimately, it's God who you need to trust and follow, right? Which is really even the same pattern that Satan tempts Jesus with when he's in the wilderness. Do you trust that God's going to take care of you? Do you trust that God is going to provide for you? And do you trust 
in the preparation of the kingdom because the other piece is that they were reminded on their dependence in God, right? The children of Israel are constantly reminded of just how much they needed God. There was no way to get around it, which has always been true, which is the thing that they've typically messed up. But what they needed to be reminded of is that, that God was going to be the one who provided, protected, and prepared them if they would trust in him, if they would follow after him. The same thing is true with us. Just like their faith was forged in the wilderness, our faith is oftentimes forged in the wilderness. And they were concerned, they were more concerned with being obedient than they were their fears. And there's all kinds of different scripture we could look at, but I want you to take a look at Joshua 1. Because this is the, the attitude in which God wanted Joshua and the crew to walk into. We'll jump into verse 2. It says, And Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. God's talking to Joshua. He says, The Israelites across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on the land that I have given you. From the Negev wilderness to the south of Lebanon mountains in the north, the Euphrates River in the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. And here's what I want you to grab onto. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Go on and read this and we'll go back. But it says, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want us to look back and I want us to think about this. In Joshua 1.5 it says, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Those are powerful. That's a powerful phrase. For us. Because everything has shifted and changed when the mentality shift changes. And so the protection of God saying, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. And the question would be, is who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? Do you remember that? To think on that. To be reminded that, that you are considered a son and daughter of the King Most High when we trust and follow after God. And that same thing is true for us, but oftentimes we forget that God has offered us protection. When we trust in Him, when we follow Him, provision, who, and, and this is a, when He says, I will be with you as I was with Moses. Just how powerful of protection that was. 
our provision. And you think about all the different things that God provided Moses. Oftentimes, there's a good, good piece to remember is who caused it is way less important than what we can learn from it. The wilderness moment in those days and time period when, like, whose fault it is and how they got out there and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, at the end of the day, what they needed to do was learn to trust in God. And so whatever wilderness that you may be in, because for some of you, you know what? It's completely your fault. And you may know it. And you may know, especially we all know people who, you can look at their lives and you can think, yeah, yeah, they're, they're in some desolation. They're in some, some desperate or some times of struggle because they have done some things that kind of led them there. Maybe that's the case. I would still tell you, it's far less important at this point to play the blame game as spouses to blame each other, as to blame it on somebody else, rather than to take it and say, you know what? Let's learn from this moment. Let's figure out how we can never be back here again. But for some of you also, you may be in wilderness moments or at some point in time in your life in the future, you may end up in a wilderness-type moment where it's just like the children of the people who had decided not to go into the promised land years and decades earlier. Where now you have 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds who didn't make the decision, who had no choice in the matter at all who they've had to spend their life walking around in the wilderness. Once again, far less important on figuring out who to blame rather than what can we learn from this moment. And how can we see that God is providing for us, God is giving us what we need, God is protecting us, and God is leading us to where we need to go. And then in the preparation, that deliverance comes through dependence on God. The Lord will not fail you or abandon you. God leads us through dependence. And when we trust and lean into him, that's where our salvation comes from. That's where we can trust in him. That's where we can follow him. That's where he leads us. And ultimately, what that is, is that's the gospel, right? Because Jesus was building something that was so much bigger than flesh and blood. And so when Jesus gave us the protection, it was, it was far more than just protection, especially during the day and time in which he did it, where they, some of his guys really thought it's from Rome, right? He's, gonna, he's going to set up his kingdom, and we are going to be our own nation, free, and be where we need to be, and, and we're not going to have to listen to Roman oppression anymore. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's, it's way bigger than that. The freedom that I'm giving you is from sin. And so we see something like, Romans 6, where Paul says, for the wages of sin is death, right? The payment is death. But the free gift, the protection that Jesus offers us is eternal life through him. And the provision of that every, every battle and everything that we, we go through, that God has promised to be with us. And something like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that reminds us that, that God is faithful he will not allow us to be tempted more than we can stand. And when we are tempted, he'll show you a way out to endure. And the preparation of the Holy Spirit being able to be within us and that God gives us to lead us, to guide us, to know when to move and when to stay still, to when to speak and when to stay silent.
as we follow him, as we depend on him, as we trust in him, the thing that we have to remember, that the mentality that shifted within the children of Israel was that, that they no longer had to try to push and do it themselves, but the mentality shift was that regardless of what we have to go to, rather than be afraid, we're going to be obedient. Bigger than my fears, I'm going to be obedient. Nothing changed on the other side of the Jordan. And for me and you, and in your wilderness, as you come out of the wilderness, I would dare say that, that this world may not change. And there may be some things that God has promised you that God will lead you to and God will lead you through. But the truth of the matter is, the enemy doesn't know that. So there still may be battles to be fought. And the thing that we have to remember is that God offers us protection when we trust and follow him. He will give us the provision like he always has. And he has prepared you. Not that you're going to know all the answers. Not that you're going to know how you're going to accomplish the task. But that he's going to be with you all the way through it. And maybe, just maybe, you'd be surprised as what skills, what resources and what people that he'll bring alongside of you. Thank you for listening. We challenge you to take some next steps this week. Read and meditate on the scripture in the morning and in the evening before bed each day this week. Let's see what God may do in your life as you do this. For more information about small groups, Pathway Kids, or anything Pathway related, contact us at pathwaybaptist.com connect.